0: Good morning, church family. It's so good to see you this morning and together, together to worship the Lord Jesus on this beautiful Mother's Day. And we're so grateful and thankful for our moms and what they mean to us and grandmoms and the women in our church and, and those who've helped to nurture and care and love on others. And, uh, but today we've come to worship the Lord and turn our hearts toward him. We're in the book of Philippians. And today we are continue in chapter number one, and I invite you to open your Bible to Philippians chapter number one, and we're gonna begin with verse number 27. So do you have your copy of God's word? I hope that you do, and that you'll follow along with me, Philippians chapter one, and verse number 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come to and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. Hmm. For to you it's been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Experience the same conflict which you saw in me and now here, to be in me. Mm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and how true and powerful it is. And I pray that, God, you would speak to our hearts from your word today. We need a word from you. And Father, I pray you would encourage us about godly living, encourage us about how to walk in a worthy and right relationship with you as citizens of heaven. Father, we have lots of needs today, but Lord, we come to you and say, God, we need you. Thank you, Father, for meeting with us today. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today, I want us to consider how we can conduct ourselves, live our lives, since we are citizens of heaven, how can we conduct and live our lives in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And so, I think that's such an appropriate passage for today, and I think about applying it in my own life. Now, how can I live my life in a a life that's worthy and brings honor and glory to God? There's a story, uh, you know, William Shakespeare liked to write about uh, Henry V. And Henry V was a vain and uh, a prince. He was filled with pride and he spent his time drinking and carousing with old John Falstaff. But uh, when King Henry's father was near death, King uh, Henry changed, and then Prince Henry realized his unworthiness to ascend to the throne of the King of England, and he knew that that crown was because of no virtue of his own. He confessed to his dying father, you won it, you wore it, you kept it, and you gave it to me. Whenever he was ready to receive the crown, he made a vow, and this is a vow. The tide of blood in me hath proudly flowed in vanity till now. Now doth it turn and ebb back to sea, where it shall mingle with the state of floods and flow henceforth in formal majesty." Hmm. You see, Henry understood that his life had been lived wrongly and unworthy of the crown. But from that point on, Henry V becomes one of the noblest kings of England. And that noble heritage flowed from him with majesty. Hmm. We're to live our lives as citizens of heaven. He says, Paul said, only let your manner of life Be worthy of the gospel. In some translations, it says, as citizens of heaven, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. What Paul's saying is live your life in a way that brings honor and glory to who you are and whose you are. Well, on Mother's Day, I'm reminded many, many times, my mother reminded me as a boy and as a teenager and even as a young man, Tim, remember who you are remember your name, remember your identity, and live your life in a way that's worthy of our family. Don't dishonor the family name. Don't dishonor what we believe. Live a worthy life because you have a heritage and you have an identity. So how can we live our life? As citizens of heaven, Christ has saved us, right? as citizens of heaven, then how can I live my life in a worthy way to the gospel of Jesus Christ that I won't bring dishonor to it in any way? And so Paul outlines it for us. In verse number 27, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel that whether I come and see you or remain, I may hear that you're standing firm in one spirit. So the first way that we live a worthy life is stand firm in the Lord, verse number 27. So it says, stand in one spirit. Now, your translation may have spirit in a lowercase uh, spelling, as mine does. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible today. But I think a better translation of the Greek word pneuma here is the spirit the Holy Spirit. If you look with me over to Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul's admonition is very similar here in chapter 4. And he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see my joy and crown, so stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. And so we're to stand firm in the Lord. What does that mean? That means we're to trust in the Lord. How can you stand firm? You stand firm by trusting in Jesus Christ. You rely upon him, you believe in him, you rest in him, you dwell in him. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth dwelleth in me and I in him. The same brings forth much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, stand firm means I dwell in him, I rest in him, I believe in him. He's my rock, and I lean on him. I stand on him, and I believe in him. Psalm 18 verse 2 says in the NIV, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. He is our firm foundation. Paul reminds the Corinthians when he writes to them. He says, for no man can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. What do you stand on? Do you stand on the solid rock of Jesus Christ? Are you believing in him? As the Savior and Lord of your life? Is He the Master and King of your life? But not only believe in Him, but the second thing is you need to obey Him in your life. You're not standing firm if you're not obedient to what He has told us to do. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I say? At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you remember what Jesus said. He tells this story. He says, Any man who hears my word and acts on them, may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came up and the winds blew and burst against that house. But it did not fall because it was built on the rock. But then he said, any man who hears these words of mine but does not act on them, does not, Obey them. It may be compared to a man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came up and the winds blew against it and burst against that house and it fell and great was its fall. If your life's not built firmly on Christ in the Lord, then you'll not stand and you can't walk in a worthy manner. Listen, to disobey Christ, to say, I believe in Christ, but I don't want to obey him and I'm not going to live for him and I'm not going to bring my life in alignment to his word. It impeaches your witness. It impugns the name of Christ. It brings reproach on you as a witness to Jesus Christ. God has called you to believe in him and to obey him. And that's what the Lord wants to do in your life and in my life. And in our homes, we need to have homes, moms and dads, where Jesus Christ is the bedrock of our home and our family. That we're abiding in him, following him, and walking with him. You know, Paul writes, just over in Ephesians, if you're in the book of Philippians, you just look over into the book just before, just to turn over a page, and in chapter number six, notice what he says in verse number 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything, listen, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth And have put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the breast with preparation of the gospel of peace. You know what he's saying is stand firm in the Lord. Dwell in Christ, believe in Christ, obey Christ, and cloak yourself with the armor of God. We're in a warfare, my friends, and let's stand firm in the Lord. Secondly, we are to standing, uh, one of the ways that we can live a life that is worthy of the gospel of Christ as citizens of heaven is by standing together in unity. You know, when we're in disunity, it it, it weakens us. And as a family, if a father and a mother aren't together, then it weakens the home and the family. And so a church that's not together, it's weakened if we're not in unity with one another. So listen to what Paul says in verse number 27. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now he says with one mind, that means with one soul, that be united, that to be together. And then he says, struggling, that means active, struggling, pursuit fighting, battling, pressing forward. He says, with one mind, be active and strive together. For what? The faith of the gospel. Now, what does this mean? It means the truth of the gospel. The the, the, the gospel is true and I'm fighting for the truth of the gospel, for the faith of the gospel. Paul reminds us in this very book that there are many enemies of the cross of Christ. He said, I'm telling you, even with tears, that many make themselves enemies of the cross of Christ. And how do they do that? They do that because they live after their wanton pleasures, their own desires. He said, their God is their belly. Fight for the truth of the gospel, the faith of the gospel, not about your desires, not about your wants, but about the truth of the gospel. Commit yourself to so value the gospel that it's the core of who you are and your home and your church, that it's all about the gospel. By the gospel, I mean the core truth that we can't save ourselves and only Christ can save us, that we can't earn it. It's all in grace and it's all his atoning work for us. We need to commit ourselves, listen this morning, as, as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas as a church, listen, we need to commit ourselves, moms listen, dads listen, commit ourselves to speak and teach the gospel in your family, in your home, with your mate, with your spouse, Talk about the gospel, talk about what Jesus has done. Talk about how that we don't merit our salvation. Talk about how it's not built on the ground of our works. Talk about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the transformation of God. Talk about the gospel and the great rich truths of it. With your mate, pray with your mate. Make the gospel the center of your home. With your children, with your family, with co-workers, and relatives. What is the gospel? The gospel's the good news, and we're fighting for the gospel. And the good news is this, that God made us and created us. You're not here by an accident. God loves you, has a plan and purpose for your life. And the gospel is this, that we've all sinned, all of us. There's none of us righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of his glory. And we have all sinned. Our sinful nature is, we received it from our fathers. We were born in sin and we have indeed committed sin. And we're all guilty because we're sinners by nature, by birth, by deed. And the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins surely dies. And whenever we sin against a holy God, we're separated from him and we can't save ourselves and death has come into us. But the gospel is this, that God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the gospel, the greatest news I know in all the world, that Jesus is God's son. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one of God. And that Jesus lived on this earth and took upon flesh. And he knows what we're going through. And when we saw him, we saw the glory of God. And this is the gospel. Jesus, God's son, fulfilled the law of God. And this is the gospel. That Jesus, God's son, died in our place on a cross. He paid for your sins and he paid for my sins in full completely and he rose again victoriously, and sin and death is defeated, and we have hope everlasting. That is the good news of the gospel. And the gospel is, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. Folks, we're in a warfare. It's a warfare for our minds, it's a warfare for our homes, it's a warfare for our family. Now listen to me, listen. The greatest enemy that we're facing today isn't a virus. The greatest enemy that we're facing today isn't the Chinese government or the Russians or an economy that is failing. The greatest issue facing us today is not who's going to win an upcoming election. The real issue is that there is an enemy, and that enemy is so insipid, it's so stealthy. It wants to come into your life, and it wants you to displace the gospel with something else of far less importance. The gospel is our foundation. We need to stand and fight for that. And listen, listen, listen. The greatest threat to your home and your family and your children is that you'll ignore the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you'll make it less than the center of your life. That you'll just assume that somebody else will tell your children the gospel. You'll just assume it's the church's responsibility or a Sunday school class. No, no. We need to find ways to talk about the gospel in our own home, in our own family. Now, this is something that Christy and I did in our home, and we could have done better, but we talked about the gospel. We talked about giving gifts, and when you give gifts, it's a great time to talk about the gospel, how God gave his greatest gift for us. We talk about grace. We talk about our relationship. We don't earn our relationship in our family. Our kids don't earn their love from Christy and I, we have loved them and we will love them. And so we teach them about love and about grace and about forgiveness and about the gospel, about salvation, about who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and that we don't live on our merits and that our relationships are built, they're built on love and not performance. This is the gospel that we need. It gives us security in our life. It helps us to stand strong. Hmm. If you have your Bible, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, listen to what Paul says. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel that I preach to you, which also you receive. Now listen, in which also you stand. Hmm. by which also you were saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you unless you believed in vain. Now listen, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and he rose the third day according to the scripture. Paul said, this is fundamental. It's what we stand on and it's what we believe. Is the gospel the center of your life? Number three. Number three is we live, by the way, we are living worthy of the gospel as citizens of heaven by standing courageously in the presence of opponents. We have a lot of opponents, but we're to stand courageously. Now look at the passage of scripture that we're at. In Philippians, again, chapter number one, Verse number 28, in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too from God. He said, listen, don't be alarmed by your opponents. There's a lot of opponents, but don't you be alarmed by your opponents. He says, don't be frightened by them. Don't be fearful of your opponents, don't be panicked. Let me tell you what fear does. Fear has a way of paralyzing you, doesn't it? And not only that, fear, it it causes you and can cause you to overreact. Because you see your opponents and then you become fearful and you either become paralyzed or you retreat or you overreact or you become angry or you feel weak inside? That's because we look at our opponents and we evaluate them in a wrong way. Here's what we do. We look at our opponents and then we look at ourselves and we say, my opponent is too formidable for me, too strong for me. How do I, I can't stand against this opponent. And so, it causes us to want to flee or flight or fear or paralysis or, or overreact and, and not act wisely. Hmm. That's because we're evaluating in the light of yourself, not in light of the Lord. Hmm. Interesting story. You know the story of the Old Testament. David was just a shepherd boy. He goes to visit his brothers there on the front lines fighting the Philistines. And you remember that the giant warrior Goliath would come out from Gath and challenge the children of Israel every day, and says mano a mano, send your man out to fight with me. King Saul won't come and fight, and neither will anybody else, and they're all paralyzed with fear. David hears this Philistine, as he comes out and taunts the armies of God, as he taunts Israel and he makes fun and mocks Israel's God. But David, he is incensed, and he decides that he's going to take on Goliath. He said, you know, God took care of me with a lion and a bear, and he'll take care of me against this uncircumcised Philistine. And so he he's filled with faith, and he he decides he's He's evaluated Goliath. And even though he's a hulk of a man over nine feet tall, he's, he, he, little David said, I'm not evaluating Goliath in light of my size or my stature or my ability. I'm evaluating Goliath in light of God, who is the God of Israel. Now listen to his words. If you, in uh, 1 Samuel... And uh, listen what he says in verse number 43. Listen, the giant taunts him. He says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine also said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've taunted this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you and give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know, that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. What's he mean, this assembly? He means both armies, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Listen, David evaluated Goliath, his opponent, in light of who God is. This was the problem with the children of Israel before they went into the promised land. They saw the spies and the Nephilim, the giants that were in the land, and they came back and said, the land is indeed filled with milk and honey. It's beautiful, but but there's fortified cities and warring people and tall, giant warriors there. We, we are like grasshoppers and we felt like grasshoppers when we s- saw them and that's the way they looked at us. They evaluated themselves wrongly. How do you see yourself? Now, listen, we need to stand courageously. We need to stand and understand that Our battle is the Lord's and that our opponents are defeated in the Lord. Amen. In the book of Joshua, just one of my favorite passages that encourages my heart. If you have your Bible, the book of Joshua, chapter number one, listen to what the Bible says. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may have success wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Listen, stand courageous. You're the Lord's you're standing firmly with him, you're standing together with him, and you're standing with courage with the Lord. Amen. Don't be alarmed by your enemies. You know, there's a great hymn that, uh, that, that I, I love, and I, I want to read some of the verses to you in a moment. But listen to me, family. When you think about your adversaries, your threats, the uncertainties you're facing, listen. Don't evaluate them in light of your strength or your ability. Evaluate them in the light of who God is. Now listen to this hymn. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say? Then to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled, fear not, I am with thee. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent, hand. The Lord's with you. Be courageous. Amen. Finally, we need to stand securely. How do we live worthily as citizens of heaven? Worthy of the gospel. We do this by standing securely. We stand securely in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trials We're secure because we know who holds us. Now listen to what the Bible says. Paul, again, look with me to Philippians chapter number one and verse number 29. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you and that too from God. That's verse 28. Now verse 29. For to you it's been granted, given, for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Now listen, God has granted you two things. He's granted you to believe in him. He gave you faith, faith to believe, faith to trust. It's a gift from God, but he's also given to you, granted to you, to suffer for his name. Now, let's let's don't get insecure. When we face trials and difficulties and hardships, then sometimes we ask these empty questions like, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? God must not really love me. Why am I left all alone? Where is God in all of this? We're all tempted to make it all about me and all about that God's left me alone in my hurt, and in my pain, and in my grief, and in my trial. Hmm. But his ways are greater than your ways. Don't you believe that? And he knows things that you don't know. And he has plans far greater than your plans. He has a perspective that is uniquely his as the sovereign God who holds you in his hands. And it's often in the crucible of suffering that God is doing his most detailed, refining work in us. So when you suffer, listen, he's with us. He's with you, he's with me. In James chapter one, it says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God's at work in you. God is working in you. He's not finished with you. And the one who began a good work is bringing it to completion. He's not done with you. He's still forming and fashioning and breaking and molding to make you look like Jesus. That's his plan. And so he he does it. He does it skillfully and artfully and perfectly because he loves you and has a plan for you. Listen to me when you suffer, then don't suffer because you're doing evil, but you trust yourself to God who takes care of you. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, listen to what the Bible says. Therefore, let those also who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what's right. He's doing what's right in your life, He's going to take care of the situation. He's got it in his great big hands. Amen. You know, when Paul was struggling in his own life, he says it was like a messenger from Satan to buffet me. And he says, I kept praying to God. God, would you take this thorn from my flesh? But he said, I heard God say to me in the spirit, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. Now listen, Paul went on to say, it's in my weakness that God works. It's in my weakness that's when I depend on him. And it's in my weakness where God changes me. Hmm. Are you going through that? Now listen to what Paul said. He said, therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What does that mean? It means when I get weak, I depend on God, and that's where my strength comes from. Wow. If you're going through hard times, don't be insecure find your security in God. So when I depend on him in my weaknesses, that's why I'm strong. Psalm 46, God is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Do you believe that? Is he your firm foundation? Is he your refuge and your strength? Michael W. Smith and others have performed the same song. And it's just a little chorus. And it just repeats itself again and again and again. But the longer I listen to it, it ministers to me. And it just says this. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how we fight our battles. It may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And this is how I fight my battles. Because when it seems like I'm surrounded, I know he has surrounded me. And I'm surrounded by you. Amen? That's how we fight our battles, secure in the grace and the love of God. Amen. Back to that great hymn, How Firm a Foundation. It goes like this, the last two verses. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply, he says to us. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Listen to this verse. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I will never, no never, no never forsake. He is with us. Let's live lives worthy of the gospel. We are citizens of heaven. How do we do that? By standing firm in the Lord, by standing together in unity, by standing courageously in the face of our enemies, our opponents, and standing securely in the love of God. He loves you, my friends. Let's pray. Father in heaven, have your way in our hearts, our lives. Lord, if there's somebody here who's never trusted in Christ as Savior, I pray that today, they might give their heart and life to him. Lord, there may be moms and dads here that say, we need help in our home, our family. I pray that some of these truths would resonate with them. Others today are struggling with security issues, faith issues. Lord, help us to live according to the truths of your word. Father, there may be somebody who's never trusted Christ. And I pray they would pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I know I've sinned. I know I've made a mess of my life and gone the wrong way. And I believe in you. And I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he died in my place on a cross. And I believe that he rose again. And I believe that he's coming again. And I believe that he's my only hope. And I turn from my sin, and I commit myself to to you to be the Lord and master of my life. Lord, forgive me. Rule in my life. Thank you, God, for saving me and loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.